Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. And I'm Peter, an 80s baby. And I'm Mason. I'm a 90s baby. And today we're going to be reviewing the 1989 comic book movie adaptation uh, directed by uh, Tim Burton. It stars Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Kim Basinger, Robert Wool, Pat Hingle, Michael Goh, and Jack Palance. Uh, this is rated PG-13 basically for, you know, uh, mild violence. Uh, I don't think there was really any language in here. Uh, definitely no nudity. So I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, just an average PG-13 movie. So before we get into that, we do like to take a trip back to 1989 and go over some of the uh, songs and movies that came out around the time of this movie's release. So starting with the music, Mason, tell me if you heard these songs. The number one song at the time of the movie's release was Satisfied by Richard Marks. Can't say I have now. Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell to me either. I think I'd have to hear it. I'm definitely familiar with uh, Richard Marks. Uh, the song that was number one before it was New Kids on the Block, I'll Be Loving You Forever. Oh, yes. Okay, definitely. That one I know. Yes. And uh, the one that uh, the number one song after it was uh, Don't Forget My Number by Millie Vanilli. Nope, that one I'm drawing a blank to. Okay. So Millie Vanilli, I am familiar with them. The title doesn't ring a bell, but uh, again, I think it's one of those things if, if I heard it, I, I might know it. Uh, but surprisingly, those three songs, they were only number one just for those, uh, you know, respective weeks uh, of their release. So, you know, it was kind of like uh, they kind of came and gone kind of thing. But I am a little bit surprised with the new kids on the block, I, you know, that um, I would think like uh, their song, I'll Be Loving You Forever, would have gone even longer than a week. But yeah. Okay, and then the number one, or not number one movies, but the some of the popular movies that came out around the time it's released. Uh, Batman was actually the number one movie of that year. So we'll, yeah, we'll I've heard just... of that one. <laughs> you, you, I'd hope so. <laughs> We're reviewing that. Um, okay, so so this movie came out June twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. Some of the movies around that time, Mason, tell me if you heard these. Roadhouse. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay, yes, definitely. Ghostbusters 2. Yes, one of the best sequels of all time. And I think you actually mentioned this in a previous episode, but Dead Poet Society. Dead po- yes, Dead Poet Society. Robin Williams at his finest. Yes. Um, let's see here. Weekend at Bernie's. I know, I know the film. I actually have not seen it. It's on my list. Okay. How about uh, When Harry Met Sally? Yes, okay. Know that one. Okay. Billy Crystal. Yeah, and let's see what else we got in here. Great Balls of Fire. You know that one sounds like I sh- like out of all of all of those films, that one sounds like I should know it the most just because of my immaturity. But I I honestly couldn't tell you. It's um it stars Dennis Quaid and it's a, a biopic about Jerry Lewis, the musician I who sang know. the song Great Balls of Fire. No, you don't know that song. Never heard of it. I feel if you heard the song, it's a you know it's a rock song from the, gosh I'm getting the the decade wrong here, but probably the '60s, 
I want to say early to mid sixties. Uh, but, um, he was kind of known for like dating his cousin. I don't know if she was like first or <laughs> second cousin and, uh, she was played wow. by Winona Ryder and she was young. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, it was a, a huge song and that was the name of the movie as well. So now we get back to Batman. We're obviously covering this be uh, for the release of Batman v Superman coming up, and so this week we're doing Batman. Next week I'll be doing Superman with uh, with another guest. And um, now, Mason, what is your history with uh, with Batman? How how young do you you recall being when when you first saw this movie? When I first saw 1989 Joker, I had I had I was probably way too young. I think I was about like 12 or 13, something around there. Um, I I think I remember it most vividly because uh, the Joker takes down the Batwing with a, with a pistol, like with a big pistol. <laughs> right. And, I, and I, even my even my twelve year old self was like, that doesn't seem right for some reason. Um, but I I do remember like enjoying it because I felt I, I think it was like a, a bad movie for me to be watching that my parents wouldn't be thrilled if I saw it. So uh, I, I guess it, I guess it was one of those guilty pleasure films, and that's why I remember it so so well. Hmm, interesting. Um, I want to say that this was probably my very first theatrical movie ever in a theater. Yeah. So when this came out, I was six. So you thought you were young. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I remember for sure watching this in the movie theater. And the reason I think this was the first one, cause I don't recall anything else before it. So yeah. So my, my dad was uh, big into, um, superheroes he was also into comics i am actually uh named after peter parker really yeah i so, did not I mean, know that yeah and that's that's what he says and I, I don't have any reasons to doubt him so so i believe it um you know one of my sisters um is named olivia and she's named after olivia newton john so so i i think that he you know kind of named us after you know something you know whether it's pop culture or what have you okay so um yeah, so uh, I felt that, uh, and and I'm positive that he watched the movie with me too. And until this day, we still go. Uh, well, so, sometimes we watch like superhero movies together. Like I, I took him to go watch, <laughs> I took him to go watch Green Lantern when it came out. Oh, you're a terrible child. I, I I'm a terrible son. <laughs> but here's the thing: he actually enjoyed it. I came out of that movie like, you know what? I I don't know what to think about that movie. Like I wasn't digging it. He he just I I think he's just you know like hey you know this. This is the stuff I read growing up. I, I'm just glad it's on on screen. Yeah, you know? That's, a, that's so, a good point. Yeah, so I think that's what that is. Better, you know, better like, something than nothing. Yeah, exactly. So hey, if he enjoyed it, that that's all that mattered. You know, I I came out of it kind of like yeah, that yeah, well, wasn't as good as I hoped it was going to be. <laughs> so, so did your dad ever pull you over before you knew that you were supposed to, you were named after Peter Parker and give you the whole uh, with great power comes great responsibility speech? Never, never, no, not, never not even in our that. language. <laughs> oh. No. Um, yeah, he, I, I'm trying to remember like when he even, t- I, I think he told me like later on in, in my like young adult life, probably, you know, around the time I had Phoenix, because uh, I, I had Phoenix when I was 17. So, you know, still in high school. And uh, I feel that maybe it was like as he was getting older, and um because uh spider-man came out in 2002 and um that that was one of phoenix's like like actually that was probably his first favorite superhero was spider-man so i think his his top two is probably spider-man and iron man um so uh, i i think that's probably probably around the time that i found out that i was named after peter parker 
I want to say maybe even earlier than that, but um, I can't think of any other reason why that might have come up. Like, oh, hey, you're... I named you after Peter Parker. You know what I mean? You know, well, I so, mean, hey, at least it's a it's a good choice of superhero uh, superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the um, all, all the boys in the family were we all um, our first names start with a P, so hmm. that that's another thing. Interesting. Um, I, I've gained much insight into your family history. Now yeah, I must find yeah. out how to abuse this power. <laughs> yeah, it started with my dad. His name is Pat. You know, and then I'm Peter. My brother's Phil, and my son's name is Phoenix and Preston. So. You know, I'm continuing on the 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 the, the Phoenix um, tradition. <laughs> yeah, the uh, tradition legacy of all of us being, you know, uh, first name starting with a P, I suppose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, this movie is uh, directed by Tim Burton. So we're not going to go, you know, scene by scene like uh, we do some some of our previous uh, previews. Uh, let's let's just talk about some of the castings um, off the bat here. Let's start with Jack Nicholson, since he is the headliner and at the time the the big name. Uh, what you, what do you think about his characterization of playing the Joker and also Jack Napier? You know, before he turns into the Joker, I thought it was fantastic. Probably second only to the Heath Ledger performance, uh, which I mean, I, th- I think it's the general consensus that took the cake. But uh, Jack, what really blew my mind when I when I first when I rewatched this movie uh, coming up here. And I didn't remember this before, but yeah, as you said, he's the headliner. His name appears first in the credits in the opening title sequence before Batman, Michael Keaton does. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, it, but yeah, rewatching the movie, he, Jack Nicholson is is the obvious uh, ticket candy. Like he, he's probably the reason a lot of people want to go see it because he was such a big actor at the time. I think that's I think The Shining came out around then too, around like the mid mid to late eighties. Um, I, I think a lot earlier, actually, if I'm not mistaken. But I, he, but he had a he had an established fan base. Like people knew he was a great actor for a bunch of a bunch of roles, including The Shining, I guess. Um, yeah. So I I thought I mean Nate, he was fine he was fine as Napier. Um, he didn't really last as Napier for for too long before getting dumped in a in a bucket of goo. But um, I I thought that he he blew the performance out of the park. Like he could have done it better. He definitely took the more comical side of the Joker, but still had that, that underlying layer of uh, real like tortured insanity behind it, which I think is really easy for him in any of his roles. Really. He's, he's great at playing a crazy person. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, him as Jack Napier is a little bit more, more muted, I guess. I, I don't know. I, uh, he's, clearly a, a different person right and when he becomes the joker he's uh really over the top almost kind of like caesar romero you know from 1966 batman i would say kind of like that a, a little a little loud in personality right but yeah as jake napier he's definitely just you know just another another gangster now michael keaton did you know the whole hubbub you know when michael keaton was cast as bruce wayne slash batman no i didn't it's it's the same thing with Heath Ledger as as the Joker when he was cast. People were like, "What the the guy who was in Knight's Tale and Ten Things I Hate About You?" Like this this guy's gonna be the Joker. It, that was the same thing. Like Michael Keaton was known for like his more comedic roles. You know, I I don't um I'm gonna probably lose some credit here, but I I think <laughs> Beetlejuice came out before this. But you know, like so his role in Beetlejuice and Dream Team and uh you know those movies uh the early '80s. People were like, yeah, I, I can't see this guy playing Batman, you know. So that was kind of the, the, the same thing when he was cast. 
where would you put him in comparison with like some of the other uh, actors that has played Bruce Wayne in Batman as well? I think he did. I think he did a okay job. He he didn't blow me away very much in any certain moment. Um, I mean, he did better than Clooney, <laughs> but everyone's done better than Clooney, so that's not that's not really hard to undo. Um, are we including Adam West in the in this uh, numbering? Uh, I, as far as I, Batman I guess, portrayals go, I guess so. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Why not? Okay, so if we have Christian Bale, we have Keaton, um, Val Kilmer. Yeah, Kilmer. Oh God, Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm for some not, not a fan huh uh, i just uh no 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 i'm i was not a fan of Cumber's batman um <laughs> i okay um i would i would put michael keaton probably probably number i'll put him in number three I'll, um okay. i'll say i'll say christian bale was number two but uh kevin conroy always my number one even though he was never like the physical the physical Batman, but I mean, you can't, you, my voice. Yeah, yeah. You cannot beat that voice. So, and Adam West will probably be like number four. I don't know. And then, and then okay. Val Kilmer and then Clooney. See, for me, I, I'd actually, uh, I would actually have to split them. Uh, you know, I, I can't categorize them as being like uh, one in the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with, with uh, Michael Keaton, for me, obviously he was my first Batman and my first uh, Bruce Wayne. In my opinion, I I like Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne because he you can tell he's tormented and tortured you know a tortured soul you know uh, living with the having witnessed his parents' death and all that you got uh, Christian Bale who plays it like a playboy you know because he is Bruce Wayne is a playboy right mm-hmm. um, George Clooney <laughs> is just playing George Clooney with his head bopping uh, as Bruce Wayne Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is probably kind of um, kind of like Christian Bale, but a little bit more businessman like, you know. I, I would say he's just so, so, he's so stiff. He, like he's like one of those big muscle head guys who can't turn his head. You know, he's got to like move his whole body to to look somewhere. He, oh, uh, they all did though. They they all had to move their body because their heads couldn't turn. But um, oh, I was just talking about like in general, not in the suit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I I think I think Michael Keaton's my favorite Bruce Wayne. But my favorite Batman is probably gonna be Christian Bale, just because he kicks a lot of ass. That's true. Yeah. So you know, as the physical parts, like everyone else, you know, and it, this that's no knock on them because their suits didn't allow them to be, you know, very nimble and and things like that, right? So, so I would go uh, Bale's Batman, uh, and then Michael Keaton's uh, Bruce Wayne. Just because, like, I feel like, yeah, this, this, the death of his parents is haunting him this entire time. Um, so the love interest, we got Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale. Yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, so I did not know this. Uh, I look, I, I was looking her up. I did not know that she was an Oscar winner. Um, I would not have guessed that from her performance in this film. Um, <laughs> but I think that is in part the fault of the, like, the screen, the screenplay. Like, she doesn't have a whole lot of material to work with. Um, as far as like the comics go, I know that Vicky Vale has has like messed around with Bruce Wayne before. I don't know if she has ever been like a like the main love interest though, and and that kind of took me by surprise. Um, again, I I thought she was fine. No no performance in this movie really blew me away as much as uh, Jack Nicholson's did. Uh, so she, I mean, she was fine. She just she just didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you you're absolutely right. I, I don't think anybody really. 
uh, really stood out. Like they could have been anybody. Uh, Kim Basinger to me, like uh, I I saw Never Say Never, um, like a few months ago. Uh, you, you know, around the time uh, uh, 007 Spectre came out, mm-hmm. and so I went back and watched that for for a review, and oof, she was terrible. Kim Basinger was terrible in that movie. So uh, did did you get a chance to see what what the movie was that she won an Oscar for? Yeah, it was uh, L.A. Confidential. Oh, okay. See, so that that's actually um, one of those popular movies that I have not yet seen. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, so I know a lot of people, um, you know, uh, say it's a, it's a very good movie. So, okay. So, in- interesting. She she won an Oscar for that. You put that on the list. Yeah, I, I'm just, there's just, I've, I've seen a lot of movies and, you know, she's just, she's fine, you know, like you said. So, uh, I would be very curious to see how she did in, in that movie um where do you I think really... uh i'm sorry go ahead oh I was, I was gonna say i don't really care to talk about alexander knox by robert wool just because he was you know it, it, i'm not exactly sure why his why his character was in there you know like it, it seemed like he like his part should have been bigger but it wasn't mm-hmm. you know for because uh, robert wool i i don't know if he was even um if he was big around that time i obviously know him and he went uh went on to do this show called Arliss on uh, HBO. Uh, but his character, it just, it seemed like it should have been a bigger character, but it wasn't. Um, I don't know what you thought about his character at all. He just kind of seemed like Vicky's tag along buddy. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of like uh, the, uh, the Emmerich Godzilla when um, the main, rep- the main female reporter in that movie had like her, her kind of lackadaisical camera guy, you know, that, that's who, Alex Knox kind of reminds me of, except not with the camera. You know, he's got the, he's just a reporter. Um, so I, I, I feel like he's kind of Vicky Vale's Robin, I guess. And uh, okay, yeah, he didn't have a whole lot of material to work with either. Yeah, he he just disappears later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at the end of the movie. Um, okay, so let me see. What are some other notable characters? What about the uh, the casting of Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent? I was I was. Uh, I was so crazed when I when I I didn't know who Harvey Dent was when I first saw this movie back when I was twelve. So when I rewatched this I, I, and I saw this, I was like, "Wait, Two Face is in this movie?" And I, and I waited for the whole movie to like see if there was some more uh, Two Face uh, Easter eggs and maybe watch it turn into another Dark Knight, like the like the origin of Dark Knight. Um, but I mean, if that doesn't happen, of course, like the Joker's the big deal the whole time. Um, I, I I thought Billy D Williams did fine. Uh, I wish there had been more depth to the character. I wish we'd been able to see like a little bit more darkness behind him because we know what he eventually turns into. Um, but I mean, I, I, again, like th- this movie, I guess didn't, uh, I don't know if they had sequels planned or not, but um, I, I guess I just enjoy the, the nod to the comic material. Yeah. I, I clearly, I don't know like the history behind any of that, but I think I did hear on another podcast where they, they obviously do research. Um, I, I think Billy D. Williams took that role, you know, knowing that the character eventually becomes Two-Face, but he just, uh, he was never brought back for it. And obviously Tim Burton left after uh, Batman Returns. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, and then Batman Forever, nobody came back, you know, so c- completely different crew. Okay, so I think that's pretty much it for for the main people. Uh, I do know that um, Alfred and the commissioner are played by the same actors in in all the movies, so that's pretty cool. I actually liked Alfred. I thought Alfred was done very well. 
Alfred was nice. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about all of uh, Batman's gadgets? Um, we, well, actually, let's, let's talk about the, 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 the look of Gotham City, where it doesn't look like you can really pinpoint exactly what year it is. You know, they got a little touch of like, uh, like the 1930s slash 40s, I, I would say. You know, um, anybody wearing a suit usually has like an overcoat and a hat. You know, and it's got a very noirish feel, feel to yeah, it. Yeah, right, right. You know, you got your different shades of black and gray and tan beige and all these things. Uh, what do you think of the look of Gotham? I enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was done really well. Tim Burton obviously obviously knows what he's doing with uh with darkness. He he that's kind of where he thrives. It's kind of with dark material or twisted twisted themes. So you've got you've got a crazed madman in a in a dark crime infested city. So he I think he brought that out really well with yeah like the criminals. Like the first two criminals we see in the very opening, you know, they got like like dark leather jackets on. I think one of them had a trench coat on or something, and like the the black beanies, and they're and they're, they're thugs, you know, they're sitting in trash. Um, it, it really just kind of it it makes the environment visceral, it, you, it, the environment very palpable. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was really brought to life actually very well. Yeah, I I really enjoy the look of the Gotham in the first movie. I don't know why it changed so much in part two. Uh, yeah, maybe a bunch of yeah. I, I think they were like uh, more sets is probably what it is, and they kind of went overboard with making you know all these like grand statues you know stick out. So I, I do like the cl- the cleaner look uh, of part one. How about uh, let's let's talk about some of the scenes here. So in this movie, we don't get an origin story of batman but we do get flashbacks of what happened with his parents Mm -hmm. so we don't see him become batman and as this movie opens he is already batman however i it doesn't we don't even find out like how long he's been doing this because vicky vale starting to find out who he is the the cops are starting to figure out who batman is and in that opening scene which you kind of just mentioned you know where he's uh taking care of these thugs don't kill me, man! Don't kill me! Don't kill me, man! I'm not going to kill you. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. No, basically, so we get that scene there. Do Do you have an idea, or just kind of what What do you think about uh, it? not having an origin story. I think not focusing on an origin story is a, was a great move and something that should probably be done more today. Um, I, I feel like we focus way too much on origin stories these days um, to reintroduce characters. Um, it was a little confusing that despite there being no origin story, like no one knew who Batman was. I, I would have been a little bit more in favor of like there, there's a legend of, of something, someone going out and beating up criminals. Um so I guess I like that we didn't spend too much time on like, oh, his parents are dead and Alfred helps him make all this cool bat stuff. Um, but I, it probably needed a little bit more explanation as to like how long he's been doing it. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like, I like your uh, take on that. Like uh, it would have been nice to, to at least hear that, that there's this myth, you know, uh, of the Batman, you know, uh, as opposed to like, he just comes out of nowhere and be like, wait, okay. So how long is he, been training you know mm-hmm. and uh, I, again I, I agree with you that you know we didn't need an origin story it was kind of nice to kind of just jump in and and you know um 
uh, kind of be in the same shoes as the viewer. Be like, you know, I'm don't know what's going on here. This is pretty mysterious. You know, who is this Bruce Wayne guy? You know, and we kind of find out as Vicky Vale finds out too, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like that, and I agree that yeah, it just every single superhero movie now is an origin story. You know, uh, matter of fact, Deadpool was too. You know, and uh-huh. and I, I kind of hoped that that wouldn't have been the case, but you know, it, it's fine. The movie still worked, and, and it was still very enjoyable. Yeah, I had a good time with that movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have any uh, some of your favorite scenes? Um, I love the uh, the Joker commercial. Um, there, there's so, there's so much. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Smilex. 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 It's, it's like the you know he's got his two fangirls like to love that Joker and and genuine Joker products and uh, I don't know just something about that makes always makes me smile. Um, I also like the the end scene when they're on the clock tower. Um, it was kind of, it was almost refreshing to see a Batman that would kill. I mean, I know it's completely against his character in every way, shape and form. Like he, he I think he, he used a gun or something at some point too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's definitely not the Batman that, uh, that we know, but, um, I thought it was kind of cool to just see him like, yeah, you, you killed my parents. So I'm going to kill you. Bye. And all right. <laughs> now, now what, what is your take on when, uh, uh, Jack, falls into the vat of toxic waste or whatever the the chemical is uh because it it is shot as if you know he's slipping and batman reaches over to presumably pull him up right we just saw uh saw like in the previous scene uh batman holds up jack napier you know on on that on that walkway right he he lifts him up you know with with ease yeah so so now you got jack napier hanging you know from this uh bar and then Batman leans over to pull him up. There, there's like I, I think people are pretty divided whether or not Batman actually lets go or just slips because they're both wearing leather gloves. What is your take on that? I think he, I think he just slipped. I, I I still think at the in the movie the core of Batman is to not kill. So I don't th- I don't think he went out of his way to kill who at the time was just a random henchman that he didn't really know much about. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. No, no, that's, that's a very good points there. Uh, you brought up the the, the Smilex commercials. Um, as a kid, I guess for the longest time, it wasn't until I got a little bit older, you know, that uh, I realized what was really going on. But those news anchors, you know, and I didn't quite understand that uh, these beauty products, you know, uh, contain things that w- would change you right so I, d- I didn't understand that and the concept of it so when they show the two news anchors later on you know l- like they haven't like it looked like they hadn't slept for days and they they didn't use any hair products you know the the man had like a pimple on his face i didn't i didn't get that scene at all i, j- I was just <laughs> like wow they they, they look rough <laughs> so i i didn't understand that they were trying to stay away from using like beauty products and i just thought that was also a pretty funny scene uh, showing like the man even um, probably using just as many products as women, you know, that he uh, ends up having like, like like a pimple on his face. I guess the Joker made people fear vanity. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, what do you think about uh, Bob, you know, uh, the Joker's henchman? What Was that the same? Was that supposed to be Bob who, uh, when we saw the young Joker, because he was also with another guy? I suppose it could have been. I don't know. He was just—he was just kind of there. He was—he was almost like the the Bond villain henchman. Like the, there's always like the main villain and there's the henchman. I, I thought that if there was ever 
like a, a friend that the Joker could have had, I guess that would have been Bob. Because yeah, Bob's always there to kind of like take out the mess. Yes, yeah. I kind of, I kind of thought that maybe it was Bob, but then it's like later on, Joker shoots Bob with like no yeah. problem, even though he was his number one. Well, that, I guess that, that might just be because you know he he's crazy, he's insane. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, he 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 was he was almost like uh like Knox to me. He he was he he was he was the he was the Joker's Robin. Okay. Uh, did you? Oh, when's the last time you saw this? Did, I mean, before for this review, I watched it uh, about a oh before this review. Yeah, I was about to say I watched I watched it when uh, we when we were talking about which Batman we were gonna do. Um, so probably probably all the way back when I was yeah twelve or something. I don't think I rewatched it. Oh wow! Uh, rewatched it ever again before yeah before recently. So did you? So when the movie opened up with this family walking, did you think it was? It was Bruce. Yeah, I did. Uh, the Waynes. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a deceit there. He kind of fools you uh, at first. You're like, oh, it's starting off with the uh, the whole like, oh, we're gonna see what happened to the Waynes, mm-hmm. um, but it's actually just some random family of three. You know, it's weird. Um, they did that in. A, I don't know. If, um, are you a gamer at all? Not really. Um, the, the most recent game, Arkham Knight. Um, it, all all the Arkham games are fantastic, but at the very end, there there's this. Um, spoiler alert for those who haven't played it, but but Batman supposedly quote unquote dies, um, and then you see this this family of three walking, and yeah, you think it's Bruce or something, um, and and this family is getting mugged, and the and the mop, the mother's pearls get ripped off just like just like Batman's did, but then you, but then you see like a, a Batman look look alike figure up watching, and then he like comes and attacks. Um, and it kind of did the same thing. Uh, the there seems to be some sort of obsession with mirroring the tragedy that Bruce had to 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 um, to show enough motivation to make Bruce att- like attack crime, like because we know that that's that's the whole basis for why he for why he does what he does because of what happened to his family. Um, I don't see why that's the only thing that we keep coming back to is just like like family, but. I, I don't know. It was it was just a very uh, interesting mirroring, like a mi- interesting yeah. reflection for me. It's it's very convenient that all, all these women always uh, are, are wearing pearls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe lots of lots of rich women in the crime infested slum that is Gotham. Yeah, you know one of my favorite uh, uh, memes uh, from is from a comic con where this uh, man and woman they dress up as the um, uh, gosh Thomas. Thomas and Martha Wayne, is that right? Yes. Thomas and Martha, mm-hmm. yeah, dresses up as them, and um, I think they hold a sign that says uh, Wayne's, and they'll, they'll go up to a Batman and they'll just lay on the ground and pretend <laughs> like they're dead. <laughs> That's hilarious and terrifying at the same time. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? I haven't seen the meme now, okay. but it sounds funny. I'll have to show you. It's pretty funny, yeah. So just uh, from looking at the picture, it just looks like they, they just go up to every Batman and, and be like, hey, hey, son, and then just lay on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to us. Yeah, so pretty funny. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, any of the other scenes. What, what, okay, what do you think about the music? So uh, Danny Elfman obviously did uh, the score, but also you got it infused with a bunch of, like, um, uh, uh, I guess, pop songs by Prince. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, when when I watched this as a kid, as six years old, I obviously ha- couldn't really form uh, really any opinions. I was just like, oh, okay, Batman, Prince, uh, he wears black. I got it, you know. <laughs> and then as I got older, I, I, I guess when uh, 
people, I, I guess, uh, yeah, some people actually weren't a fan of like Prince um, music being in this Batman movie. So I have a confession. I don't, I've never been the biggest Prince fan. Okay. Uh, like Purple Rain. Purple Rain is good. I enjoy Purple Rain. But besides that, I'm just like, eh. So the Prince, the Prince songs in the film, uh, that was, I was indifferent. However, the Danny Elfman score I actually loved. Um, yes. It, it had some great themes to it. Uh, you hear the same themes in the uh, animated show. Um, it's kind of like the, the main Batman uh, orca- orchestra composition. Uh, and I thought that that did a great job of kind of setting the tone for a diseased Gotham. And I thought I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, they, the the theme is definitely great. You know, uh, uh, Danny Elfman and Tim Burton, they just work so well together. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the theme of Batman, it's just, it's, it's, it sounds very circus-like, you know. And uh, what, what better uh, sound to have for uh, a villain that, that is a clown? That is basically. true. Yeah. yeah, so so I like it. Um, I well, what do you think of the Batmobile? Do you have a preference in whether the Tumblr or maybe even the the new one? If you've seen images of that, um, I, I of uh, aside from the Tumblr and the brand new one, mm-hmm. I, I think this this Batmobile is probably my favorite. I w- I would say this is my favorite as well. I'm actually not a huge fan of the Tumblr because. I love Christopher Nolan and I love the Batman trilogy. Well, except for the last one. But um, <laughs> the, the whole thing with the Tumblr is that it was it was a military vehicle that Bruce Wayne got to purpose for his own needs. Whereas this Batmobile is is bat decked out. It's got all the cool like fringe. It's got the you know it's got the cheesy flame flame thing in the back. Even I mean I know the Tumblr did too. Um, but it, it's completely it's completely comic book versed out. And I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, the t- the tumbler was really cool looking, and it was badass. It it, it drove through cars like it pancaked them easily, but it, it but it was it was just a tank. It was a really fast tank, uh, right? And that's that's not the Batmobile for me at least. No, yeah, it's a it's a very good point there. I I don't even think I would have thought um you know been able to compare it that way. But you're right. I've always just like you know the tumbler is just it, it is a tank. I mean you're right. It, it is uh was developed for the military. And it's got all the, the all the cool things, but the Batmobile in 1989, uh, in, in the 1989 movie, it, it was built for him, mm-hmm. you know. So you're right, like everything he's got. Um, yeah, I, I just like his utility belt and all that. And nothing really looked like it couldn't have been made by them, except for like maybe some of his like uh, grappling gun and stuff. The 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 the, the, the rope seems to be a little long. <laughs> at, I love how, uh, how when the when the guys in the car are chasing after him and Vicky, and mm-hmm. he sh- and he shoots that up, and he's like, "Here, quick, hold on." And I thought it was gonna be like a really quick speed away, and they, it, the camera turns back later, and you see them like slowly snailing up the line. And I was like, "Wow!" So that's a uh, that's what counts for speeds in the eighties, huh? So, uh, yeah. So I yes. guess we became harder to please later on. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a pretty good scene. Uh, any quotes that stood out to you? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. <laughs> Never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> Man, I think that's it. I think that's the only <laughs> that's the only big big quote from the movie. I can't 
Uh, I, I don't think I have any, any other favorites, really. Um, Batman, this movie isn't one that I go back and watch often, which is really weird, even though it is one of my favorites. Mm. For whatever reason, they always play like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin on TV. Yeah, the the obviously the best film, the best Batman films of all time. Uh, clearly, clearly, yeah. you know, they, they've won all kinds of Academy Awards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the yeah, I, I haven't seen this one uh, in a while. So no, I'm not I don't have like a whole lot of quotes that I uh, I, I recall from this movie. Um, what do you think about the Batcave? It to me, it looked a little bare, but I did like uh, what his um, what what his suit was like encased in. Um, I thought like this actually I do prefer the uh, the Dark Knight Rises version. This is one of the few things I like about the Dark Knight Rises was how they really made that that cave and uh, the the secret water pedestals or whatever seem seem legitimately like legitimately like a hidden you know it's in a cave. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, yeah, it was bare. That, I mean, they they had the computers and stuff like they're supposed to, and yeah, they've got the they've got the suit and the cool holster. Um, didn't didn't love it. Okay. Uh, personally, but that's just me. I I'm just glad that is right now. It's just the it's not a closet. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It, because we do see that later on in the movie. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if we get to see a Batcave in the new uh, Batman uh, v Superman. So uh, so that'll be very interesting. Um, I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. Probably. Uh, what do you think about the Batwing chase? You know, you mentioned it earlier where Joker shoots it down with a, a really long pistol. Yeah, um, I actually that was very impressive for me for a, for an '80s movie that they were able to pull that off. Um, I liked it; I thought it was cool. Uh, Batwing looked looked pretty pretty dope, as the kids say these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on fleek. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it. I I, I even liked the, the at one moment he he went up like in the moon, right? And then it looked like yeah, his logo, the Batman logo. So I, I did like that, but it, I, I think. I'm with you. You know, when you were 12, when when I was a kid, I was just like, "How did Joker fit that in there? Like, <laughs> you cannot, you cannot walk with, with a pistol down your pants like that." Um, so. I mean, it was a super duper long sniper pistol. I guess I don't know. I, I'm, it sure was long, indeed. I'm surprised there wasn't a there wasn't a dick joke in there somewhere. Like, oh, did I shoot you down? Or are you just happy to see me? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been mentioned if it was uh, directed by Schumacher. Ah, cute. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so bad nipples. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I guess according to him, he wanted the suit to look anatomically correct or something. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it's like it. it but it's a suit. I mean, <laughs> do bats have nipples? I mean, I, I don't know, but I mean, I'm sure they do. But I, I think they have. They're like uh, you know, like dogs, you know, or whatever. Like with like the the bunches of them down. The, why are we talking about this? No, never, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it just it served no purpose. I don't understand why they added that. But um, okay, well, I I think that's it. Unless you have anything else to add. Uh, no, I I think it, I think this is a great Batman movie. Um, it's a, definitely a different tone from what we've seen in the Dark Knight and what I'm assuming we'll see in uh, BVS. But still great, and everyone should check it out. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into ratings? Sure. Go for it. All right. Uh, okay. So, so basically, it it definitely still uh, held nostalgia. Um, you know, it's really hard to like uh, not compare. You know, um, you know the the Batman's and the Jokers uh, all together. I I still think um, Jack Nicholson's Joker is is pretty good. 
but I think I'm in the majority that actually uh, really like Heath Ledger. Keith Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to take anything from Jack Nicholson. He do, he did his thing, and he's still pretty menacing in a lot of different scenes. Um, the movie seemed a little bit slower this time around. I don't know if you got that. Uh, I, I think the movie clocks in uh, just a little over two hours, and I kind of felt it this time around. Uh, some parts seemed a little bit slow, but but I still love it, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous and I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Uh, I can still watch this and still enjoy this, um, you know. Throw it on in the background and and still have a good time. Four and um, a half out of five. Four and a half out of five. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I would. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. I'm 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 a I'm a tenner. Um, okay. I thought that. I thought the story kind of lacked a little bit. But um, like I said, I thought that the production, like with the jet sequence and uh, Jack Nicholson was fantastic. The score was great. And I thought Tim Burton did a great job directing. So definitely there was a lot to love. Um, but the, I mean, there, there are plenty of flaws. So it's not a perfect film. And, uh, but it's enjoyable. It's passable. And uh, great if you want to get some of that old, old 80s nostalgia back. Like you, yeah, like you're saying. Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely had to give it more brownie points for not being like an origin story. So. Mm-hmm. So I, I think uh went generous there. But yeah, it, it's probably one of my um I would probably put this at number three as far as the Batman movies goes. You know, Dark Knight, then probably Batman begins and then Batman. Yeah, I can I agree with that. Yeah, so uh you know, obviously I, I Dark Knight, uh, I'd give that a five. Batman begins pro- probably also four and a half. I put it on par, but uh give uh, Batman Begins the upper hand because I like the Batman better uh, in, in that one. Yeah, and also Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul was fantastic. Yeah, and I like the Scarecrow, so mm-hmm. uh, he, he was pretty scary. We actually have a new review. I've got something for you. A letter. A All right, it's been a while since uh, I've checked our iTunes reviews, and we actually do have some. And I don't remember the last one I read, so I'm going to go back to last August, uh, where this one was left by Ruffy1092. I think that is my good buddy Chris, uh, who is the host of the uh, Let's Chat with uh, Revel and Friends uh, podcast. Uh, the, the title is one of my favorite podcasts. He says, when you listen to this show, it's clear Peter loves film and puts in a lot of work into each episode. On top of that, Peter has the best guest and has become one of my favorite interviewers. This show is a must subscribe. Oh. I actually think I did uh, read that before. I, I think uh, Phoenix was on there with me. That's nice. Yeah, thank you, uh, Chris, for that. Uh, the next one is from J.D. Duran 30, and that uh, is J.D. of In Sessions uh, Film Podcast. He says, a great show, five stars. I'm beating a dead horse here, but love the father-son combo. Can't wait till I can do that with my kid. Def- definitely recommend this show. Uh, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, the next one is from DSNT. Uh, he or she, he or she says, enjoyable revisits, five star. They discuss movies that I'm usually fond of, but often haven't seen in some time. I love revisiting these titles through their discussion, and sometimes, like my cousin Vinny, they make me want to watch it again. So thank you very much for that one. 
And the next one is from G.I. Hyro, my buddy Hyro at True Romance Film Podcast. He says, check this show out. Five stars. This show gives you a little bit of everything. At one moment, you get an informative look at a nostalgic classic. And at the time, no, oh, and at the next, you get a fan's love and excitement about a movie that holds a special place in their lives. This show is honest and entertaining and shouldn't be skipped over. Uh, thank you, sir, for the, for the kind words. And the next one here is from Scott at IYP. Oh, yes, uh, from um, It's Your Pick uh, podcast. Uh, my buddy Scott there, good friend of the show, uh, five stars. He says, I love the concept so much, I ripped it off for my own podcast. But seriously, these guys do it better. Peter really knows his 80s and 90s movie, um, Minutia. Every episode is like a walk down an old video store aisle. Remember James Spader and Tough Turf? This guy does. Give it a listen. You'll enjoy the trip. Uh, thank you very much for that, Scott. Uh, next one is from TV Movie Mistress, which is actually uh, Mo, who is the host of that podcast. Um, so good friend of the show. Uh, Mo says, great host and podcast, five stars. If you're looking for an entertaining podcast with an awesome host, look no further. I love the movies that he reviews and the guests he has on. Great podcast. Uh, thank you very much. And last one. This one is from Almighty Psyche. Uh he or she says, pure joy, five stars. I love that I am able to join in and listen to these great conversations about some of my favorite movies, new or classic. Thank you for providing this to us all. Keep up the great work. So that is awesome. And that one was just left uh, like two days ago. So so that that's, that you know, I do this. Uh, you know, when I first started this show, it, it was just for me and my son. You know, I'm reaching almost my two-year mark never thought i would um you know get this far i didn't i never would have thought that the show would become what it is now uh i i am a little bit sorry that it's no longer a father and son podcast but you know i'm still kind of bringing the same perspective though mason you're not my son um <laughs> you know you're you're still bringing like a, a different generation's perspective and that's what this show is about so hopefully you know um people that listen to the show still enjoy that uh, even though the father and son dynamic is lacking so phoenix isn't off this podcast you know he's just uh again he's almost 16 so you know he's going out and hanging out with friends and all that so he, he just uh, isn't as available as he was before and i'm okay with that you know he's got to live his life so it's um, okay so we, that's... we don't need phoenix dad <laughs> yeah that's right daddy okay <laughs> So, uh, so that's per. Uh, I guess that that wraps up the this episode. Uh, I, I don't think we've discussed uh, what you'll be coming back on uh, to do next. But uh, again, for the listeners, um, next week we'll be uh, or I'll be doing uh, the very first Superman movie. And if you follow my other show, Original Remake, I will be comparing uh, Superman two and also Superman two, the Richard Donner cut. So not really a remake, but they are the same movie that were done uh, a little bit differently. So check out Original Remake on iTunes and Stitcher if you want to uh, hear that. So Mason, why don't you tell the listeners uh, where they can find uh, your website and you online? Uh, you can find me and all my other awesome writers at RealDudeReviews.com. That's R-E-E-L. Uh, we have cool movie reviews, game reviews, Let's Plays, and just all of the entertainment just for you. 
We're also on Twitter at R-E-L Dude Reviews, Real Dude Reviews, and at Facebook.com slash Real Dude Reviews. So, you know, swing by and drop a, drop a comment. We'd love to hear from you. All right. And Hydrate Level 4 and Original Remake are both part of the uh, Following Films podcast network. So just visit followingfilms.com where you can also find other great shows such as Pop Culture Case Study with my good buddy Dave and my co-host from Original Remake. He's got his own show, War Machine vs. War Horse. And also a shout out to the uh, True Bromance Film Podcast. Hyro and Barry over there do a really great job. And they recently had me go on there to cover um, uh, Gods of Egypt. Not not a great movie, but we had a a really good time. Um, I also do. We got five with my co-host Devin on the CoreTempParts dot com, and we also cover Fuller House on the official TV podcast called TV Ate My Brain. So you can all uh, find all those also on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, or just visit CoreTempParts dot com. So Fuller House, hear me and Devin talk about that show. Uh, we we enjoy it. We um, we are huge fans of the actual Full House, so it is a podcast by fans for the fans. Um, and if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at HLF Podcast, and please leave a uh, rating or review. So until the next episode, I'm Peter, and I'm Mason, and this is Hydrate Level Four. <laughs> <laughs>